This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I got it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Asia Torah here in the holy city of Jerusalem. Today, we are talking about mastering free will. It's a five-step class. We started the first um, steps yesterday. I will review them quickly, and then we'll move right back on to uh, to uh, steps three, four, and five. Hopefully, we'll hit all all of those. Um, we're going to memorize each step. Every word is a step, and uh, it would be one meaning one word per step. And step one is constant, Oops. constant. Step two is reevaluation. Okay, and we're talking about mastering free will, because one thing you know for sure is you got choice. And since you have choice, and that's what makes you unique, so what we're really talking about is mastering being human. Because human beings make choices. And to be a masterful human being, so you got to make good choices. you got to have your choices down, and how you look at choice. So the first thing we're talking about in mastering free will is constant, and that is to, can move that stuff up? Is the constantly choosing that every second is a chance for a choice. So let's practice that, everybody. Um, we're going to give a double snap. Okay, double snap. Get your snappers ready, everyone. Snappers. Hello, Earth to the lady in the back. Snappers. We're using our snappers. Okay. Okay. Ready? Here we go. We're going to choose to be in this classroom for this period of time, for this hour. Everyone, give a snap and choose it. You didn't snap. Everyone choose to be in this classroom, give a snap. Everyone choose to spend the hour with me in this classroom, give a snap. Everyone choose to be in Jerusalem at all, and probably most of you woke up here. Let's re-choose Jerusalem. Everyone choose to be sitting next to the person you're sitting next to. If you're sitting next to someone, say hello. 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 Uh, People sitting alone, I'll say hello. Hello. Okay, everyone give a snap on that. Okay, now, the next is, because this is a class called Practical Spirituality, is this moment is the unfolding of infinite into finite. And what is this moment? Grab some better seats. What is this moment? What is this moment? This moment is the unfolding of infinite into finite. The infinite being is creating this world now. Not some other time. This world is being created now. God did not create the world and take a hike. God did not create the world and go parasailing in a lot. God creates the world perpetually. And if God were to... If God... Now you're cool. Stay there. Stay there. there. I'm giving him another seat. Ah. God is perpetually creating the world, and if God decided to stop creating the world for a moment, what if God just said, you know what, I'm bored. Enough. What would happen to the world? What would happen to the world? Would it go down slowly? Would it be a slow fade? What would happen? Tovo. What would happen? So the answer is, is that this entire world, thank you, Bobby, 
Baruch Ata Adonai Elohim Melech Ha'ilam Shahakol Nigimah. The entire world would disappear. Oh, gone. Which means, why is the world here right now? Because God's creating it. Where is He creating it from? Where is it coming from? And the answer is, it's coming from. Is that Jerry? No. Welcome back. How's it going? Did you come in too? No. You skipped our meeting? I, I had something else. I missed it too. Or wait, no, you. Alright, I'm the one who. I'm the one who spaced. <laughs> Forgot to put it on my calendar. You're good. You went down to Tel Aviv for New Year's? Yeah. So there are Israelis who celebrate New Year's? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was. I'm just all too happy to miss it. Yeah. So happy to miss New Year's. Oh my gosh. Okay, now. One New Year's a year is enough for me, and we got Rosh Hashanah. I don't, I don't need a, the day Jesus got circumcised, you know. Although I heard that that you can that there's someone has his foreskin from like, uh, I mean it's been framed and it's going for something like fifty million dollars now. So if anyone would like to bid on Jesus's foreskin, apparently it's on the market. <laughs> planning on selling it next New Year's. <laughs> the world is coming into existence from absolute nothingness. God's creating the world. If God were to stop creating the world, the whole world would disappear, which means that this moment is being unfolded from infinite to finite. Now, God's masterful beyond belief. We'll never get it. Like, it's so beyond us how he's doing this. Because what? Because he's orchestrating your life for you. And he's orchestrating everyone around you. But how could he be orchestrating everyone around you when he's orchestrating you around everyone else? You ever thought about that one? He's orchestrating everyone around you which really shows a great lack of free will for everyone around you, because he's orchestrating everything for you. But meanwhile, the people he's been orchestrating around you are being orchestrated. You're being orchestrated around them. Like, sometimes I have a definite experience of being orchestrated around people. Like, God's literally pulling me around. Like, I, I, I feel like I really need to get to the store. I get to the store to find it closed. And I think to myself, I know it would have been closed. Why did I even bother walking to this store? And then I turn around after um, walking to that store. How you doing? There's spots back there. After walking to that store, if someone move that black backpack, please. So just move it, even if it's not yours. Okay? And I get to this, I turn around from the closed store, and there's some guy saying that he was desperate to speak to me, and he's got something extremely important that he had to speak to me about. And then I'm like, okay, no problem. Now I know why I walked to the closed store. So I was being orchestrated around him. But meanwhile, I have free will. Uh, this is your guy's spot. Table for two right here. You've been saving this for guys. Sir. <laughs> if I ever decide not to be a rabbi, I will be seating people at restaurants. 
still keep an eye on what I got left here. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Club Med, you might have to give up that chair in a few minutes. Okay. Now, also, is that available too, where that black jacket is? So maybe take it off for now so the next person feels safe. It's a drop-in course, and like, for example, you two most fulfilled the drop-in nature. Their parachutes are outside. Oh, wow. How you doing? Welcome, welcome. Uh, this is your spot right there. See that spot back there? Right next to that nice lady and Mr. Club Mint. Okay. All right. Okay, here we go. So God's creating the world. This is the unfolding. And that unfolding, for some reason, he's crazy about you because everything you ever go through is completely orchestrated for you. Uh, and... I would say even the more difficult stuff, but I would say instead, a Hebrew word, sorry to use Hebrew, dafka, the more difficult stuff. Meaning the harder stuff you're going through is it means God, God sees you as a potential player, like you're going to play now. Meaning God's more likely to leave someone alone who's not going to recognize the struggle as being directed towards their growth. Someone who's going to miss that the struggle's for their growth, God's more likely to skip them but someone that God feels has got their eye above and sees the struggle as part of the growth is more likely going to get some struggle and get some growth, which is what we're doing here, which is great, because you want to get that growth. Gabriel, i got a spot for you right here. Because you want the growth. Oh, thank you. Cold water. More cold water. <laughs> Sit, sit, relax. This class is getting weirder and weirder. Unmarked bottles of water, likely containing psychedelic material. Yes, ma'am. going philosophy here. That was part of yesterday's intro, that we're not going to go philosophy. Yeah, we're not discussing that. Yes? <laughs> it's a class on mastering free will. Um, but let me tell you something. What's your name, sir? What? Ami. Ami, let me tell you something. I don't know what this class is about. I don't know who I am, and I don't know what I'm doing. And, and I haven't known any of those answers for a decade and a half now. I mean, when you come to my class, you just get in the zone, okay? You just chill out and crack yes. it out. Yes. We never know what happens in here, ever. We just crack it out. Right? We just crack it out, and, and we're all going to just crack it out together, okay? We're just, I don't know what it's like. It's not like anything. It just is. Okay, so stop trying to figure it out and just relax. I, I asked ask for serious. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm serious. I'm dead serious too. I'm sorry, I'm making a scene. 
Okay, so relax on me. And, and uh, when you have a question on the subject matter, raise your hand. <laughs> Other than asking what the subject is. Okay. Okay, just leave it up. Leave it up. Informational questions only from now on. Other than the subject of the class. Okay, just chill out. Huh? Okay, now. The unfolding of creation is going on all around us. God's orchestrating our lives for us, yet all of us experience free will, which is crazy. It's crazy that you're having full free will while being orchestrated around other people. Whatever. It was a side point. A master of free will is in tune with that. We're in tune with that. So everyone get in tune with that. Let's give a snap and get in tune with God unfolding creation right before our eyes, right into this room. Give us a double snap. Take a deep breath. One, two, three. In. Get how crazy it is. Listen to the sounds. We got a mosque blaring. We got all these trippy people in this room. It's all unfolding for us right now. It can only get better by the room itself having silence. So uh, can I ask you just to touch the AC button up there? The top button. Yeah, top panel. There's a little power button. Off, please. Ready? On three, we're going to snap. One. Two, three. Good breath. You'll notice there's a strange feeling in the room. It's the un it's the cutting edge unfolding of God creating creation all around you. Your body is recreating itself as you as we speak. Every organ has its schedule for recreation. Everything is new. Sadly, we have memory, so it can create, so, uh, you know, it's not possible that an organ can be diseased if it's constantly recreating itself, except there's actually memory in the body that we kind of place on the body that, that we have to cleanse ourselves. That's part of our struggle is, is to, to heal. And the healing you need to do is your memory. You have to heal your memory. You know, I'll teach you something on constant that I didn't teach yesterday on constant. And that is that the Kabbalists call memory, the term they use for memory, which is our biggest issue in your life. If you think about it, your memory is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. That is your number one enemy, is your memory. It's got good points. I mean, you can remember the past, you know, not to go to that door because it's always locked, you know, you know, how to ride a bike. Memory's got its purposes. You can understand my English from all the other English. It's got its good parts. But memory is your, your, your biggest problem. Think about if you had no memory right now. Other than being able to understand my English, you realize how incredibly happy you would be right now? So let's go there. It's only your memory that messes you up. And I actually saw this for myself. Why? Because I have a student whose brother has a particular mental illness. His mental illness is he has no memory. and But no memory. Not even second-to-second memory. So if you say to him, black, 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 and you say, what color did I just say? He would have no idea. And you want to know the crazy thing? Is he would have this silly smile on his face. Probably because he enjoyed the sound of black, 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 black. It was enjoyable for him. So my, my student told me about his brother. He can't be left alone. You can't leave him alone anywhere. 
because he has no idea where to go, ever. No matter where he is, even in his own home, he has no idea where to go because there's no memory of even where his own bedroom is. So you can't leave him alone, this guy. About 15 years later, I'm at the Kotel Shabbos night. And when I go to the Kotel Shabbos night, which I don't always do, but when I do, it's always an amazing experience. Anyone know what I'm talking about, having an amazing experience at Kotel Shabbos night? You don't always tap in. But have you ever tapped into the energy down there? It's amazing. So when, I tap, when I'm tapped in there, I'll spend three hours sometimes there. One time I was there four hours Shabbos night. And uh, by the time everyone left, my kids are like, can we go home now? So we go home, we're at the meal. I get home at like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm about to make kiddish while my kids are laugh, cracking up, while my kids are laughing. And what's so funny is that my son leans over to me and he says, he says, Daddy, I'm, uh, yeah, that's your seat over there. Yeah, can you please make it really easy for him to come over there? This is my kid, my oldest kid look, leans over to me and he says, Daddy, you never daven. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you didn't pray. You didn't, I saw you start Kabbalat Shabbat about six times. Till, you know, someone else interrupted you. And Mari, you never even got to it. You haven't said Shema. And I haven't said Shema. And I'm like, come on, we were at the Kotel for four hours. And he's like, yeah, you look like you're having a great time. You forgot to pray. And so here we are at 11 o'clock at night. And at that point, I'm just like, okay, everybody, speak amongst yourselves. I'll be right back. And I went to the other room and I prayed. I did my prayers. But that night, that four-hour night, I meet this guy at the Kotel who's just so exciting. And he's just the greatest person I've ever spoken to. He's the happiest person I ever met. And, I, and then I had to go to the bathroom. So I'm walking across. It was when the bathrooms weren't there. They were building these bathrooms. So the bathroom was over here. We walked across. I felt like there was another. Oh, here's a chair. This so we walked. We walked across the whole thing. I'm having the best time of my life with this guy. Everything I'm saying, he's like this. His face is like this. And we get to the other side of the hotel. When I get the other side, like by the stairs here, when I realize that, that this guy is the brother of my student from 15 years earlier. Because he's there. He's been watching him. There are a lot of people in the hotel, so I didn't even really notice that he was kind of trailing us. But he was keeping an eye on him because he saw the guy. His brother left with Rabbi Glazer. So he trailed us and was just keeping an eye on him. You have to keep an eye on him. And when finally I, you know, finished talking to him, I've never had anyone so hanging on every single sentence I'm saying, so excited, so happy. And then we finished. I was heading into the bathroom when my my old student came up to me and says, "That's my brother." And like, "That's your brother? That's nice, nice." To, he was an amazing guy. I've never met anyone quite like him. Happiest person I ever met. He's like, "Rabbi, I think you forgot something." I'm like, "What?" That's my brother with the mental illness that has no memory. He has no idea what you've said to him. Your memory is in the way of everything you do and everything you want to do. You have dreams, right? You have certain goals. You have a contribution you want to make in this world. Well, every time you've ever been slammed down, every time you've ever failed, every time you've ever 
ever been rejected, every time you've ever been hurt, is always going to play in to the, your ability to make that contribution in your life. It just seeps in. And that's why our Kabbalists call memory afar. Our memory is called by the Kabbalists afar. Afar means dust. And that's the term that Kabbalists use for memory, is dust. It's dust. Dust of the past. Memory is dust. And I'll never forget when my Rebbe, who's like this great Merlin, my Rebbe, the wizard, looks at all of us while he, we were studying Kabbalah and we were talking about the dust. He, said, he looks at all of us and he says, that's what the snake was cursed to eat. Don't feed it. In the moment, constant unfolding of creation into existence. Do you have any idea who you are without memory? And does that sound like fun or does that sound scary? Fun or scary? Raise your hand if not knowing who you are is scary. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if not knowing who you are sounds fun. Only me? She's on the fence. Fun? It is the funnest thing in the world. I've been doing it for years. It's great. It's really, really a blast. Really, really a blast. And, uh, and you're ten times more effective. The limits that other people are living with, you don't feel. Is this yours? Yeah. Which one's yours? This one. The limits that other people are, are dealing with, you don't notice. It's the most, your self-image is the most unnecessary thing in the world. It's the most unnecessary thing. And in fact, it's what's made you more unhappy than anything you have. Your self-image is where you end. It's not where you start. You think you're, you think you're all starting in self-image? No. Self-image is your edge. That's your limit. Anything threatening to take you beyond your self-image, you politely decline. Your self-image is something that you have to white-knuckle and vigilantly protect. Every situation you get in, you have to calculate how you're going to somehow, how your self-image will somehow survive. And most importantly, considering that the majority of people in this room were raised observant, raise your hand if you're raised observant, keeping Shabbat and that stuff kosher. Okay, so it's almost all of you. You're from a tradition, a tribal tradition, that feels that the number one person in the whole world is the person who has no idea who he is. His name was Moshe. Moshe was without self. He had no self-image. He was just totally there. So, like, if he's shepherding sheep, I'll shepherd sheep. If I'll shepherd the nation of Israel across the desert, I'll shepherd the nation of Israel across the desert. Whatever, whoever God called Moshe into being, he was. He wasn't locked in to any particular... This, uh, how you doing? Is this a couple? Hey, wow, look at this lovely couple. You got married. Mazatan, Mazatan. Mazatan. So you'll grab that seat. Uh, move over one, Noam. Noam, slide over one so the couple can sit together. Oh, you, yeah. 
How you guys doing? No, no, we got t- uh, two seats right there. Grab your seat. Don't worry, I've been seating people every three minutes. Mazel tov. How long are you guys married? You should make each other baby happy. make each other very happy, even though marriage is not about being happy, as I'm sure you've noticed. Ma- marriage is your next step of growth. Okay. Now. Anyway, those of you who are raised observant have been overly influenced by Westernism which is all about self-image. It is pure self-image. Build your self-image. They, in fact, they have trillions of dollars of advertisement just to make you feel ugly and lacking. And, and via you feeling ugly and lacking, you will consume things for whatever hit. Somehow it's going to augment who you are. It will, meaning that's a fancy word for add to who you are. Somehow with their products, you will be added to. Do you need anything added to you? I don't think anyone here needs anything added to them. I think actually the more you'd strip away from you, you would be getting closer and closer to your joy. Your your real, true, inner well-being would start to shine forth if you would get simpler. Not that you add to yourself to be somehow more. Nothing could be more than how amazing you are just as you... Come as you are. That would be the most amazing. And this is Judaism. If you were raised keeping Shabbat, you got to keep this too. I understand if you're raised secular, so you're going to have like a lifelong chore of getting rid of the self-image. But if you're raised observant, I mean, have you been totally brainwashed by Westernism that you think Judaism's going to work well with your self-image? <laughs> no wonder so many Jews, by the way, are like so in conflict with our Jewish lives. I meet a lot of Jews, and probably most of them are you in this room, of people who raise observant but feel a lot of conflict. Well, which should go, the self-image or the Judaism? Judaism has no conflict with someone who's, who's living pure soul. If you're living pure soul, simplicity, simple soul, Judaism's the greatest thing that ever happened to you. But when you're going with a Western mindset, a Greek mindset of self-image, and now you've got Judaism, which is basically busy, 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 busy with 55,000 laws. Well, it's going to be a conflict because many of those laws are going to cramp your style. This is why Kola Kavod is someone who was raised secular, who has managed to somehow take on all of that and, and remain happy. Because that's someone who's really worked on himself. But someone who's raised observant, if, you're, if you've got self-image going on, so then you, you missed something. Now, by the way, I'll be on all fairness and honesty to everyone with the self-image. With all fairness and honesty, the, the self-image is really just built around some really crummy recordings in our head about ourselves. Because if you didn't have those crummy recordings, you'd just live simplicity, very simplistically. You would be fine. 
It's the crummy recordings is why you need the self-image. And the reason you hold on so tightly to the self-image is if you got rid of it, you'd be back to the crummy recordings about yourself. You get that? So, in all fairness, our self-image is really a protective device. It's a band-aid. It's a band-aid we've been wearing, but, but get well. If you got some crummy stuff inside, heal it. Heal it up. Heal it up. So Bob Marley said, Come on and heal it up. So you gotta heal. You gotta heal. Heal. But don't make everyone crazy with your self-image. And spend your life in conflict with your Judaism because... Self-image and Judaism, they're never going to get along with each other. It's going to be, you know, live a life of conflict. Just how can I deal with Yiddishkeit? The laws and the shamans and the kashrut. And the, you know, it never ends. It's so intense living a full Torah-observant life. It is hour by hour, minute by minute, locked on. You're locked on. You got even when you have no mitzvah to do, you got six constant mitzvahs. No other one, love, fear, stray. Six constant mitzvahs at all times. No, there's a God. There's no other than God, including you. One is He's one, meaning none of this exists. It's all part of a oneness. You just can't see the oneness. Love, God, fear God, and don't don't space out. Don't stray. After you know, don't get spaced. No spacing out. Stay locked on. Locked on. Locked on. So do that with the self-image. It's not going to go. And that's why the Greeks wanted to wipe out our connection to our soul. And they've done a pretty good job. Yeah? Uh, I know I came a little bit late, but maybe you addressed it already, but if not, can you you illustrate exactly what you mean by, uh, it seems like you're saying that self- image is, um, is related to people that have issues with, with Yiddishkeit, um, conflict with Yiddishkeit. That the self-image creates conflict with Yiddishkeit. Okay. Could you, you illustrate exactly how that works? Illustrate that further? Well, I mean, one thing for sure is, uh, let's say a woman has a self-image and, and covering her hair could be a conflict. Plus she's got some really foxy wig to wear, which is what all the young men seem to want these days. Not very fair to the wife. <coughs> but if it's like you said, though, that there's you know, like 55,000 laws, or it could seem like there's, there's a lot of laws. Other conflicts? Yeah, is it, is it, does it all come to I mean, I, we could interview all the men in the room. I don't know if they have like something, something like really exciting about leather. But, uh, I mean, we're, we're like strapping ourselves up with leather every day. Leather straps. Not every man likes putting leather straps on themselves. Especially when they're tri- attached to boxes. I mean, I know most people raise, men raised doing that. It's, they're used to that. But, I mean, to me, I thought it was a little creepy the first time I saw it. Like, What's going on over there? And I felt a great... The first time I put on tefillin, I felt a great pain in my heart. A very big disconnect, I felt. Of like, 
I felt like I'm just another sheep in this, you know, Jew number 6,328. Strapping himself on his tongue. This is why our taluses have black and white on them. The talus, it's barcode. So God knows who's praying. <laughs> and especially in my community, where everyone looks exactly like me. Sometimes I go in the wrong home. <laughs> the lady calls 911. And I'm like, you're not my wife? So, okay. I suddenly had an anti-Christian moment. <laughs> so, the that's constant. The second is reevaluation. Reevaluation is is that you got to be able to reevaluate your life. I mean, if you're going to be a master of free will, you got to be able to switch gears. You get that? I know you've had plans in your life. I know you all like thought you were supposed to be doing something next year. You all have plans, you know. So that's not called master free will if you're going off old plans. You got to be able to reevaluate. You may stick with your old plan, but you got to have the courage to reevaluate. I don't know where you're supposed to spend next year. I don't know where you're supposed to spend next year. And you know what? Stick with your plan, but reevaluate it first. And have the courage to shift the plan if you need to. But you were given free will. You're a human being with free will. And you better be able to reevaluate things doesn't mean you have to change a thing. Stick with the plan, but at least first reevaluate. Is it still true to you? This is one of the rough things in universities. They make people choose a major. And what do they do a year later? You graduate in four years, unless you're me. But you graduate in four years. And let's say at the beginning of the fourth year, you realize what major really was your major. Do you switch majors and stay for five years at $50,000 a year? Do you stay another year? Or do you stay with the major that doesn't speak to you compared to the major that does speak to you? What do you do at that point? Richard, what would you do? Or, or what's your advice at this point in your life? Well, I went through this with my son. Really? And what he, he did is he stuck it out, switched to what he was passionate about, and his life lit up. His life lit up. He had to stay in university a little longer? He had to stay in university another one year and two months. But it lit his life up in a big, huge way. I would, you've got to stay with what you love. Well, I think not stay with what you love. In this case, you have to switch to what you love. Well, he, he reevaluated after yeah. you know, three years and four months, and then he... he Couldn't have asked a better guy. He was stuck, and he finished it, and then he, he shifted. Oh, he did finish it. He finished it, and he shifted. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because it only took another quarter. Oh, he only needed another quarter to finish, and then and then he switched. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, that makes sense for sure. Yeah. One more quarter to get a degree in that field. It's worth it. Everyone got it? Yeah, reevaluate. Even your own marriage. Yeah, I reevaluate my marriage all the time. Doesn't mean I'm marrying someone else now. I'm sticking with the plan. Sticking with that lady. But reevaluating definitely makes me wake up to all kinds of nuances in our relationship that I need to work on. 
things that I appreciate more about my wife now, just through that reevaluation. How about Judaism? Reevaluate? Mm-hmm. <laughs> reevaluate? Sounds scary, right? Reevaluate your Judaism? I reevaluate all the time. In fact, I have an exercise I do with my wife where I say to her, What if Martians pulled up outside our window in our house and they like landed on Earth? And we go outside and the spaceship opens and it's just blinding light on a ramp. And these Martians come out to the edge of the spaceship and they say, Mr. and Mrs. Glazer? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, how did you like the Earth experiment? And we're like, Earth experiment? And we're like, yeah, we created the Earth. And we're like, huh? And then they're like, How'd you like the Mount Sinai experiment? That was a good one, right? And I'm like, and they're like, come with us and we'll show you the real world. And then I say to my wife, do we go? With eight eight Hasidic kids sleeping in our house. You hear what we're doing? What is this called? Reevaluate. Yeah, I make it up to, so that we can reevaluate. Are we getting on the spaceship? What are we doing here? Are we Jewish because we were born Jewish? Or are we Jewish because this is true? This is real. Are we Jewish because we're born Jewish? Or are we Jewish because it's real? Which one? Is this real? Or is this religion? You have to choose. Or figure it out. Is it real? Or is it religion? If it's religion, so then there's just, we're being asked to do too many things. And whoever created this religion was crazy. If it's real, so then it's my pleasure to do all these things. I'm happy to do all these You can come in. It's a drop-in course. Here, that's a seat for you right next to this lady. Hey, what's some of so glad you brought your baby. Must be a girl. No one's going to come into a class with a boy. Yeah, you guys got your own table now. This is amazing. We 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 aim to please here. You got your own little spots. Everyone's got a seat. Oh my gosh, she's so precious. <laughs> What number is this? Number one, Mazel Tov. How old is she? Oh, there she goes. It's fine, it's fine. We, we like babies crying in here. Oh my God. See, she's, she's got, that little baby's got something on all of us. She is so here right now. No memory of every other class she's been to. She's, she's so here. She's more here than the people who brought her. Anyway, that's reevaluation. And as we discussed yesterday, there's two pitfalls. And then we'll move on to the rest. Pitfall number one should put the pitfalls in red, really. How could I use green for pitfalls? 
There's two pitfalls in reevaluation. One we discussed. It's called momentum. Find it right two. One is called momentum from past decisions, and two is what? What did I write yesterday? Anyone know? What's that? Others. And that is that uh, the other problem with reevaluation is that uh, if you do actually choose something else in your life, it's going to freak people out big time. And it, a lot of us would rather not reevaluate because we don't want to upset anybody. That's all. Clear? And we went into that in detail yesterday. I'm not going back into all those details. But we did a great amount of detail on how our concern of what others will think of us if we actually reevaluate and make a new choice, we have this that concern about what everyone would think about you is the number one concern. And you should know, just to let you know, here as a teacher at age for many years, that uh, us rabbis realize that no one here, when they study at age, I mean, obviously, most people here are raised observant, but but no one in this class, I mean, the uh, but all the years of us teaching kids who are from secular homes, their number one issue with Judaism was not taking on Judaism. Their number one issue with Judaism was what their families would say. And so for them to reevaluate their lives was, was a major issue. And, and the sad part about it is it's our lo- the closest people to us. The closest people to us are the ones who most prevent us from growing. You hear that? The closest people to us, the ones who love you the most, are responsible for you not growing. <laughs> Which is crazy. But it's true. Because people who don't know people aren't that close to you don't really care if you grow. Right? People who acquaintances don't care. They'll call, they'll say, You heard what happened to what's your name? Mayor. You heard what happened to Mayor? You know, and they'll be like, Yeah, that's what happened to Mayor. Okay, what's up now? You know, how's the weather? They move on. The people who are closest to us are the ones who are the most nervous about our growth, which is crazy. Um, I just have good news for anyone who's got this concern. The good news is is that uh, blood is thicker than values. Blood, family, relationships, best friends, blood is thicker than values. So even though you may rock the boat by making a shift in your life, and it may freak at them out big time, and they may fight the changes you make, in the end, the family connection will win. It will win. You might have to persevere. For some, it might take a year or two for them to get over your choices. But blood is thicker than values. They'll just learn to agree about disagreeing and just get over it. They'll just get over it. That's it. But you have to have courage for about a year or two. Okay, next. Last things. Last three. Number three. Is the battleground. Hey, everyone say battleground. Oh. So let's do all three. Constant reevaluation battleground. Together. Constant reevaluation battleground. One more time. Constant reevaluation battleground. What's the battleground? The battleground is the battle that everyone has between the soul and the body. You have two voices inside your head. You have an animal voice and you've got a godly voice. And you're in a battle. You're literally on a battleground. In a battle. 
all the time, even right now, you're going to pay attention, you're going to space out, you're going to stay you know, engaged, you're going to disengage. It's a battle. You're always in a battle between the body and the soul all the time. There's an animal voice inside of you, and there's a godly voice inside of you. And you gotta, you got to realize you're on that battle. So this number three here in mastering free will is just to recognize and admit you're in a battle. You're always in a battle. Because anyone who wants to pretend they're not on a battlefield who's on a battlefield, how long are they going to live? Someone who's not on a battlefield and wants to pretend they're not on a battlefield, how long are they going to live? Not very long. Not very long. So if you're really in a battle and you want to pretend you're not, I meet a lot of people who come to Aish and say like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to live my life in a battle. I want to go back to when it was easy. How are they going to do how are all the people doing who don't realize they're on a battleground? How are they doing? I asked a group of people the other day that if this is a pie chart and these are the slices of the pie and these are all your interests, this is just all your interests. Everything that occupies your mind. So you got to make money and you got your mom, you got your dad, you got, let's say, family, hobbies, sports, all the things that you love everything that goes on in life. So I asked these guys, it was actually a fraternity, it was men from a fraternity. So I asked them how much of their life is caught, is caught up with thoughts of intimacy. Intimacy, sexuality. How much of their thoughts are on sexuality? How big a pie slice should I make for that? And... So I was like, I made a, like, a little pie slice like that, and they're like, no, it's bigger. Anyway, the slice they gave it was something like, I need an eraser for this. They, the, slice, the slice of the pie was like, it was something like that. And so that was the S word. And this was like the money, power, recognition, attention. And then we had one little slice here for, like, relationships. Okay? That's the way their lives looked. Pretty freaky. Pretty freaky. And these were heterosexuals. You know, you know, you know that people who, anyone who, ha who is involved in non-normative sexual activity or desire, when I say non-normative, I think it's got a bunch of initials now. LGBTQ. I think there's another one too now. Anyway, they. I know it's considered extremely not politically correct to call that non-normative. Extremely not politically correct. And and the funny thing about this discussion is that is that it's um, is that it's a it's. When, if anyone has any of those tendencies, it's a tremendous struggle. But if you're Jewish and you have tendencies towards anything that's not, you know, part of living a life as a part of our tribe, it's a struggle. Judaism says struggle. The word Yisrael means yes, Yisur is to struggle. Yisrael means to struggle. It even means to struggle with God, because Aleph and Lamed, Yisrael, means to struggle with God, to struggle. 
What does it mean to struggle with God? Why would I want to struggle with God? Well, God may forbid something that for me is a tendency, and I must struggle. Judaism says struggle. They don't think there's anything wrong with someone who likes blood. But he must struggle with that and not kill anybody. Or become a moil, a, a circumciser, or become a, a slaughterer. He'll get plenty of blood if he wants to slaughter animals for you know the kosher uh, market. If someone likes stealing, he's got to struggle with that. And what all those things, the LGBT, I like the BT part, it stands for Baltashuva, yeah? But the LGBTQ community says, we're not struggling anymore. This is who I am. This is who I am. Announcing. They're making an announcement. This is who I am. They got rid of the struggle. And then make all of us feel immoral for saying anything about it. Now we're immoral. There's something wrong with us. We're the immoral ones. By giving those initials to themselves and, and de demanding their rights for what they do with their genitalia, we suddenly became immoral. Backwards world. Flipped over. Everything's flipped. But we're Yisrael. We're, we struggle. We fight our tendencies. We have a definition of a strong person as someone who can withstand desire. Someone who can withhold. Someone who knows how to hold back, how to limit things that he or she wants. That is the strong person. Says our Mishnah, Ezoi Gibor, who is the strong man? Someone who can hold down his tendencies towards things forbidden. But here's the weirdest part about it, is Torah nails it so amazingly. You want to hear Torah, how Torah nails it? The Torah calls, ready for this? Someone who's involved with non-normative heterosexual activity I normative, I mean husbands and wives here. That someone called, someone who's involved in that is called in Hebrew, ready? A Kadesha. Kadesha. Does that those sound familiar to something? Kadesha. What is the root of the word Kadesha? Kadosh. Kadosh. Or Kiddush. Or Kadusha. Kadesha. What? Someone involved in non-heterosexual marriage expression is called a Kadesha. But what does the word Kadosh actually mean? What does it mean literally, the word Kadosh? It means separate. It just means separate. Shabbat is called Shabbos Kodesh. Shabbat Kodesh. Why? Separate from the weekdays. Six days a week you work. Comes Shabbat, it's Shabbat Kodesh. Separate. If I have a flock of 80 sheep and I would like to bring an offering up to the temple, 
and I am, listen to the word, makdish, a sheep, makdish, a sheep. Can I now change my mind and eat it? Can I now shear it and use its wool? Is this sheep available anymore? Can we use the sheep? Can we use the wool? I don't think so. You can't get near its wool. It's separate. And here's the amazing thing that Torah gets so clearly, is that anyone involved who gets in that part of their body has become their identity. Anyone who that part of their body has become their identity, the Torah tells us, is they become a Kadesha. Or if, an, if a man, a Kadesh, which means they have separated out one little tiny, no offense, part of their life. One little tiny part of their life that is such an it's irrelevant to so much of what life is and one's really, one who lives a rich life, it gets at best a thin slice. At best a thin slice. Not even like the slices I put before, which were these sizes. It gets a thin, <coughs> thin slice. But as soon as someone is involved in non-normative Torah sanctioned sexual relations or tendency, as soon as someone does that or goes there, it becomes who they are, which is crazy. And that's what they always say. They announce to their family, this is who I am. And, of course, you know, can you imagine someone who decides he's, you know, he was actually, you know, just a regular heterosexual man, coming to announce to his family, this is who I am? <laughs> what are you talking about? Anyone who is announcing that this part of their body is who they are is really confused. And the picture perfectly describes it, and Torah perfectly describes it. Now that was a very big eon, a very big inner looking at the word battleground. But the battleground is going on for all of us. Like, are you going to throw this cup away or are you going to leave it on the table for the guy to come clean? Tough call. Seems like the right thing to do would be throw it away. On the other hand, the guy might wind up out of work if we all start cleaning up after ourselves. So, Little micro choices all the time. Macro choices are when it comes to Torah laws, rabbinic laws, micro choices, do I leave my cup out, do I throw it away? You're in a battleground all the time between an animal instinct that's hardwired for, for survival and reproduction, just like every plant and every animal wants survival and reproduction. A human being also wants survival and reproduction. It's our animal instinct. But we've got another voice called the godly voice. Think about this building, for example. This building, you're in like a, I don't know, $30, $40 million building right now. The people's hard-earned money that went into this building. And it was built purely for the godly voice. No one's getting any, like, power or, like, you know, greater uh, chance to land a mate. I mean, you may have a better chance of landing a mate by being in here. I don't know. But, they, but I'm saying the people who built this place, 
And us rabbis who work here, no one's getting a better mate. No one's going to get more powerful or make some more money out of this. Someone built a $30 million building for the godly voiced. Music, godly voice. Art, the godly voice. Creativity, the godly voice. Kindness, the godly voice. We're, but we're always in a battle. And the battle goes on. But someone who wants to pretend they're not in a battle, they go and lose the battle. Fair? Yeah? Yeah, but but that's the godly voice because the only thing that follows you when you die is the godly voice. So you're allowed to invest in your. So they are gaining. Yeah, but you're allowed to invest in your godly voice while you're here. But your mind should be on the chesed, not on the. Uh, but we're not allowed to invest in our animal voice. Invest in it. Your the animal voice. What you do with the animal voice is you basically throw the dog a bone. Meaning you distract it with what it needs, like basic needs, and then you move immediately back to the godly voice. Like, for example, food. Food is the animal voice or the godly voice? Animal voice. But when I eat, I'm going to make sure it's kosher, godly voice. I'm going to make a brocha, godly voice. I'm also going to be very careful what I eat so that it doesn't weigh me down and make me feel lethargic. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to eat food that's, that's life-affirming. But wouldn't you say that could also be related to self-image? Which? Eating, and what you're eating, and lethargic. It might, yeah. That's why it's a battleground. It's got little tiny nuances. So really you're you're you never done say, with the battle. So then really you could say, you can eat whatever you want, because you shouldn't be focused on your self-image. You, what? You say should it. be able to eat whatever you want, and not feel like you're eating... Are you talking about weight, weight gaining? <laughs> Well, wasn't that what you were saying? Like make, making you feel heavy, both, it could be emotionally Oh, I didn't mean heavy, physically. physically heavy, I meant. But it could be both, emotionally and physically. And even if you are feeling emotionally heavy, that reflects on your self-image. Sure. If you feel emotionally heavy. Sure, but, uh, but when, I, when I'm talking about eating, you're, you're throwing a bone, giving the dog a bone, meaning the body needs to eat. But when you eat, even that can be godly. I'll give you another example. Let's say... Uh, Let's say we break it up like this. You've got... <laughs> I don't know how to make... Oh, how do you make... Can someone tell me how to make uh, three... Does that work? Okay. So you got survival. Yeah. You got reproduction. Yeah. And then you have the godly voice. Right? Survival, reproduction, godly voice. Now tell me, I got a question for all of you. What if you could contribute to this world and make it a more beautiful place and someone wrote you a check for that every month, covered all your expenses, and then even savings? How, would you do it? If you could do, if you could just contribute to the world and make this world into a better place, a more beautiful, spiritual, chesed place, and someone cut you a check every month, would you do it? Of course you would. Oh, okay. So do it. And do we just want someone to breed with so we can have babies? Are we just looking for breeding or are we looking for soulmate? All of us want soulmate. We want a soulmate. We're not looking just to have a generation of Jews come out of us. 
We're looking for a soulmate. Oh. Yep, hear the souls? There she is. She's agreeing. So in Judaism, the whole thing is the God voice. Because, and, and you might say, well, not everyone's going to get a check for what they do. But, you know, it's, if, let's say you chose to do something for a living. You made a bunch of money in real estate. A guy like you, who's just pulling in $2 million profit a year in real estate, what are you going to do with that $2 million? Give it to the wrong, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing this guy, it's going into every kind of good product, every kind, meaning every kind of good um, uh, uh, contribution to the planet, to the Jewish people, to the people in general, to the world. So even those hours while you're seeing properties and trading properties and stuff like that is all part of it. So in the end, if we all follow our dreams and use our money, when we get the check at the end of the month, we use it for goodness, you can live full-time in the godly, godly voice. Okay, now... Um, Number four is very simple. Once you throw the dog at bone, where do we want to focus? Focus on the eternal. We always focus on the eternal part of the equation. The battlegrounds between the body and the soul. The body is always going to be temporal. The body will be turned back to dust. dust. It's going to go back to the earth. The soul lasts forever, so throw the dog at bone. Negotiate well so that the soul is where you're at. And then the last one is... In mastering free will is what we already did. And that was we gave the snap and we realized we're in the mind of God. I mean, we're, this is all just the unfolding of God into creation. But you can walk down the Jewish quarter streets like... I suggest when you walk down the Jewish quarter streets later, you walk through like like you're in a, like in a fish tank of godliness. You swim down the Jewish quarter. Because you're in the mind of God. Everything's inside the mind of God. So, the more cognizant you are to the fact that God is creating us from infinite to finite perpetually, the whole Yom Ma'asev Reishis, he's recreating perpetually creation, God's constant creating. So, the more I live in that, one in five, so then I'm living a pure God experience, and I'm using my free will. Why does it take free will? Why is it free will? Because let's say I was walking next to an atheist. And we're walking down the Jewish court, and the atheist thinks this world's real, and I think the world's not. He thinks the world is what it seems to be, and I believe it's a projection from an infinite source. Tell me, does the Jewish quarter look different to our naked eye? It looks exactly the same. And that's why it's part of free will, because it looks exactly the same. I use this muscle, this, I exercise and flex a muscle called realize now you're in the mind of God. Realize that now. I'll be walking through the old city or on my bike with my tunes cranking and I'm just like, like I'm locked in. I'm in God's world here. Now the next guy might come speeding down on his bike with his music cranking and thinks this world's it. He's totally in this world. It's a matter of free will to be locked on to God. Okay, so we got five words. We're going to say them uh, 
eight times. Eight times looking at them, eight times memorizing them. You ready? Let's go. Constant reevaluation, battle ground, soul, God. Everybody, constant back. Reevaluation, battle ground, soul, God. Again, constant reevaluation, battle ground, soul, God. One more looking. Constant reevaluation, battle ground, soul, God. Now I'm going to block it. Constant reevaluation, battle ground, soul, God. Constant reevaluation, battle ground, soul, Time. Constant evaluation. Oh, God. You did it. We finished. Shalom, everybody. Um, there's going to be a tour of the Kotel Tunnels. Uh, anyone in this class is welcome to go on that tour. And I don't know if it costs anything or not, but uh, Rabbi Ellis is taking uh, the group on a Kotel Tunnel tour soon. I think it's 25 shekels, by the way. 25 shekels? I think so. Okay. Um, uh, did any uh, any ladies first time in my class here? First time? So did you get an invitation? I'm running an event for women on the 24th of January. Um, several events. Please join. Look it up online if you have online access. <laughs> Ladies, for your first time. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.